morning church so today i was like thinking through the last well not today in the week i was thinking through the last two services that we've had um and warren just unpacked grace so beautifully last week and and the week before of mercy and just getting a handle on basically just the raw gospel like what is this truth that god calls us to what is this message that is so powerful that Jesus says, this is the crux of everything, the message that you have to take to the world. And so today, it's like, I just felt that God is saying, just to bring like the simple truth of the gospel. And even though it's simple, it's like profound beyond understanding. It's the one thing that has shaped the world the most. Jesus lived on the earth for 30 odd years, and he did more in three years of those 33 odd years um, that has changed the world than any other human being on the earth, no matter what, even any other organization, any government, anything. Jesus has shaped the world beyond what we can even comprehend. Um, and so this gospel message is um, what I wanted to unpack a bit for us um, today. So I wanted to start off with uh, Romans 1. Basically, um, Paul in Romans unpacks this gospel, and it's like one of the, well, I feel it's like one of the meatiest books in the Bible. It's like you can literally like chew on, <laughs> chew on this bulldog all year long. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I just want to go through a bit of it. Romans 1, verse 16 and 17. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. Gentiles. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that, that is by faith, from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. This gospel message, uh, um, Paul tells us, is like the main thing. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God to bring salvation. This is the main sort of weapon of God, the main thing, carrier, that God uses to bring us this salvation, to bring us this freedom from sin. He says, it's this gospel message. But he says, for in this gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, this thing that we are aiming for. And to receive this righteousness, we have to receive it by faith, from first to last. And this is the one thing that I, I wanted to focus a bit on, um, from the, the faith from first to last. Because I don't know about you, but I grew up in a Christian home. So I started going to Sunday school and school, uh, nursery school, uh, Sunday school, and then youth and all of the things. And through um, my, call it Christian career, if you want to call it that. Um, yeah, it's like I, 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 when I was probably in primary school, my mid-primary school, I went on a church camp and I received salvation there and we were having a, a little worship session and somebody unpacked the gospel. And for me then, I was just like, I believe, I'm choosing to believe in this God. Like, the evidence is enough for me to go, okay, I'm receiving this salvation, this um, gift from God. And it's like, it doesn't matter how you have received it, if you have received the salvation, whether it was putting up your hand in a service or standing or coming to the front, or maybe it was just a, a quiet moment in your bedroom at some stage. It doesn't matter. It's that 
it's that point where you go, okay, I'm choosing to believe. Because in essence, it's, there's faith either way. There's faith for God and there's faith to not believe in God as well. Because even though you can say something like, you know, I don't believe in God unless you can prove it, even that statement, it's like you can't prove that statement either. You can't prove that that measure that you're using is like an accurate measure for you saying, well, if you can't prove it like scientifically, then I'm not going to believe. That in itself doesn't, doesn't carry its, its own statement, if that makes sense. But... Um, yeah, so it's like you've got to have faith to also not believe. You ha- you're choosing to believe that worldview that God is not there. And the difference is now when we receive salvation, we go, okay, I'm, I'm starting to believe Jesus is the truth. And so now, whenever I, I encounter the world and what happens to me and in me, it's like now I'm going to read it through this lens of God and his gospel and that truth. Because the word speaks about the beginning of wisdom, or oh, the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. And that fear, okay, I'm not going to unpack now, but it's basically like this awe and wonder of God and like this realization of the majesty and the bigness of God, that God, and then saying that is the beginning of wisdom. When you understand who God is truly, then the rest of the world is going to make sense in its rightful view. So, from first to last. So, from first, it's that receiving, that believing and putting our faith into God and saying, okay, I'm going to choose to um, trust that this is the worldview that is the right one, that Jesus is the truth, that he is my savior. But then, after that, then we still sin. And, you know, I don't know, for you, for me, after I received salvation, it was like, Mm, I thought it was going to be easier. I thought I wasn't going to sin so much. I thought I was going to be like, you know, off into the sunset, happy days all the rest of my life. And that wasn't the case. There was still issues. There was still sin that, that I did and frustrations and falling short and backsliding and all of that. And then you start to understand Philippians 2 verse 12 to 13. It says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And so this is like the, almost I want to say the rest of the scriptures, where it's like it's teaching us now to unpack how we should approach the world and everything we encounter through the lens of Jesus, through the lens of Jesus is the truth and the way and the life. So it says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's not a work for your salvation. That's not I'm going to do works to receive or maintain my salvation that's just saying i'm going to work it out i'm going to figure it out i'm going to look at the gospel and see okay i am saved i'm securing my relationship with god how does that look how does that change the rest of my life that is the last part from first to last figuring that out now putting our faith into that scripture into the relationship with god because we have encounters with god we have relationship with god ongoing and when god speaks to us and says mm, don't do that do that or we read the scriptures and it tells us don't do that do that that's our working out our faith it's going okay even though i want to do that or i think that's the right way i'm choosing to believe and put my faith in in jesus's way that he's telling me the problem is in the church often 
it's like we, we can struggle with that because we go, you know, anybody is accepted into the gospel like Warren so beautifully um, unpacked last week. It's like no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how badly you've sinned, you're welcome. It's like, oh, you're a gang leader, you're welcome. You're a murderer, you're welcome. But then when you get into the church and then it's like this almost wrong view of, okay, now you're, you're saved, you're right, now you have to be perfect. And that's not an accurate view of the scriptures. God basically tells us, he's like, you've got to work out your salvation now, figure it out, walk the righteous life. And so it's like we can't sit here condemning our fellow Christians for their shortfalls because so often we judge others by their actions and we judge ourselves by our intentions. And we go, yeah, but I didn't mean that. But it's what you did still. And we have to have grace and mercy for those within the church and without the church, with, outside of the church. So, yes, yeah, so our salvation then is our, our faith. Our, this act of faith is then obviously receiving your salvation and then figuring out, okay, how does that look with my relationship with people, with my relationship in my marriage, with work, with money, with, you know, every, every aspect of your life now, you, we go to God and we say, okay, I'm going to choose to trust God's way. Because we see through the scriptures, it's like God calls us to this because he wants us to bear good fruit. And there are worldly ways. There are other ways of achieving some things, but they, they tend to end in death because they're not God's way. They're not the righteous way. So, there's no need to receive salvation again and again and again, like I did, standing up, putting up my hand a whole bunch of times, going to the front a whole bunch of times. It's like, yes, if, if you feel like you've backslidden or if you feel like you've walked away from God or if you feel like you know, you're not sure if the first time really stuck and you just want to make sure again, it's like in that moment previously you've believed, you received that, that salvation, the Holy Spirit has come into you and it says... The scriptures speak about, you know, he's, he's made a mark on you that cannot be removed. It's like, yes, we can experience the Holy Spirit in different ways and in, and in like, powerful ways. And maybe today in worship you felt the Holy Spirit, like, you know, almost tangibly. Um, and then other times it's like, you know, you might feel like you don't feel the Holy Spirit, but he's still there. He's still in you. He still um, has come into you and will stay in you because um, you have received him with faith. Faith is that trust thing that I was speaking about. And, you know, it can be hard because when we do um, sort of exercise our faith in God and the outworking of that maybe doesn't always look the way that we want, that we thought it might look. And we go, God, I trusted you, and now look. And it's like I want to say keep trusting God. Keep hanging on to those truths because God knows what he's doing. He is far beyond our understanding of, of um, what we're doing. I was hearing this thing this week about, you know, God um, speaking about us as sheep and he's the shepherd. And they were saying, you know, if you look at a shepherd in the wilderness, uh, like a shepherd with his sheep in the wilderness, sometimes the sheep run off and everything. And the most loving thing that a shepherd can do is sometimes just to, you know, tackle the sheep, tie him up, put him on his shoulder, and take him back to the, the rest without an explanation. 
And sometimes it's like tough to be in that spot where you're like, la, 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 I'm doing my own thing in life. God comes, he tackles you, he ties you up, he puts you on his shoulder and he carries you away with other explanation. And you're just like, what is happening, God? <laughs> I thought we were like on a mission, yeah. And then it's like, no, we've just got to maintain our trust in God. We've got to hang on to that faith. We've got to keep believing and keep believing and keep believing, even if we haven't seen the end of the outworking of that, that initial faith step that we took, that initial trust. You know, God throughout the Bible speaks about, you know, do this and trust me, I'll come through for you. And we see when we don't, we see like even Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, God calls them, don't eat from that tree. Trust me, it won't be good for you. And then we see when they don't trust them, then they eat the, fr- the fruit from that tree, and then we have the outworking of that choice, the sin and death to us. But then we see Jesus in the same, like the almost the equal opposite. God also calls him to, to trust him. God the Father calls Jesus to trust him. He asks him, can you go to the cross? Can you die for these people, for these other people, so that they can receive salvation. And then we see in the Mount of Olives, Jesus is praying to the Father. He's praying so hard. He's struggling so much with this that he's sweating blood, they say. And it's like, this was tough for Jesus. Jesus was saying, if you can take this cup from me, take it. But not my will, your will. And he's saying, this is hard. But despite this being hard, I'm going to choose to trust you. And sometimes for us, we have to also just, you know, go, this is tough, and be honest with yourself, and be honest with God. If you look at the, the Psalms, all over, David is like ranting at God, but then at the end of the day, he says, but you are God. I'm going to choose your way to trust you, to follow you. This, this religion that we believe, this truth, this this thing of Jesus Christ and the Father God and the Holy Spirit, do we realize like this is the only God that calls us to trust him like that and he has experienced that same thing. Jesus experienced that same trust so he knows what we're going through. He knows what he's asking of us and yet he says just keep trusting me, keep following me. It's going to be tough but it'll be good. Um, Romans 5 verse 17 says, For if by the trespasses of one man, death reigned through that man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in in life through this one man, Jesus Christ? So through Adam, we see that death that that came, that separation from God, that eternal um, death. We will never be with God, but then through Jesus we receive that abundant grace, and it's that gift of righteousness. And sometimes for us, it's hard to receive a gift so extravagant. You know, it's it's easy to receive a chocolate, maybe. It's maybe harder to receive maybe a Ferrari because it's like just the worth of this. It's harder if somebody had to come to you and say, "Yeah, here's a country. Do you want a country?" Imagine God giving up his one and only son, the God of the universe, and saying, just receive it. Just receive eternity. Not not 10 years, not 100 years, not 1,000 years, not a million years. Billions and billions and billions of years with the Father. Just receive that gift. It's for you. You don't have to work for it. But then we might say, like, okay, but what about justice? What about justice on earth? What about those guys 
who commit those horrendous sins, you know, the, the serial killers, the serial rapists, and, you know, these child traffickers and, and things like that, those kind of people, it's like, do, not, do they not deserve justice? Like, what, do you, what, what for you, if you had to say, you know, you think of the guys who do the worst sins, and you go, okay, what do they deserve? And you might say, okay, maybe they deserve death. Like what they have done, they don't deserve to live. But then you might say, okay, but, but maybe death is not good enough. Maybe that is like too easy, like they get off too easy with that. So it's like, okay, maybe they need some torture on top of that death. Maybe they need some like slow torture on top of that death. Maybe they need some public like ridicule and humiliation. And then we, we start to see the weight of Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. He got whipped. He, got, he received that ridicule. He received that, that 40 minus 1 lashings where they said, you know, if it was going to be 40 lashes, it would be a death sentence. You would die. But they made it 39 so that he could endure that torture, that he could hang on that cross for hours and hours and hours, enduring the slow humiliation, the slow torture. And then we start to see the weight of Jesus' grace and love when he says, I have died for everybody, even those people that have like the worst sins. And I know that's like a, a hard thing to hear. And I know as I describe that, you can be going like, yes, this is a bit intense. And it's like, yeah, it is intense. But that is the intense love of God as well. He's saying, that is still my child who I want to save, even though they are so far off the tracks. That I have this love that's beyond understanding for each person, and I have this, this offer of salvation and grace for e- even those people. And so when I look at that, then I go like, Yo, Jesus has, has done a lot for us. He has saved us beyond what we all understand how he saved us. So it's like, can we stand in that freedom? Can we know that we are in Christ? Do we know like that level of grace that no matter what you've done, you are free? Because often I think we feel like, you know, we sin a bit and then it's like, oh, now I need to pay a bit of penance to God. Like I need to do something to like curry favor with God again because now he's mad at me. And I go like, we are so free in this. We are not under law. We are under grace. We are in Christ Jesus. It's like, do you think that Jesus has, like what he paid on the cross, that, um, yeah, like, do, do you feel like there's still a bit of wrath left of God that we have to pay? Or do, do you feel like what Jesus did on the cross was enough to cover all the wrath that the Father would have had against you. The answer is that he has. He has covered all of it. We are free. We are completely, completely free when we are in Christ Jesus. We are hidden in Christ Jesus. Father God only sees the righteousness of Jesus, this spotless lamb, and we are in him. So when he looks at us, that's what he sees. He sees a spotless lamb. And when we realize it, then Paul in Romans 6 says, what shall we say then? Shall we just go on sinning so that grace may increase? Like, well, then we can just do what we want. 
if we're so covered by grace. By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. So here we see it's like we are in Christ. There is no, there is no sin that we've committed that is too much for God. There is no sin that we commit where God's like, okay, now you need, you know, you, you need to fix that. You need to, you know, do some penance. No. We just come to God with trusting and that faith that he has paid enough for us. And so we run to the Father again and again and again, no matter what we've done, because we know that Jesus died to restore our relationship with the Father. That was his main thing that he came to pay for our sins so that there would never be separation. So that when Jesus said, my father, how, why have you forsaken me? When he said that on the cross, we know that we never have to say that. So, Romans 8 verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So my main message then is like, there is this beautiful salvation that we have available, and we've got to live that out, faith first and to last and to the end throughout the rest of our life, believing this truth, believing that we are free and saved. So I implore you, you know, live your life free. However that look, looks because Satan torments us with, with things day in and day out where we're not measuring up, we're not okay, we're not okay with the Father, and we just need to know that we are. We need to hold on to those truths of the Scripture so that we can live freely and then work out our salvation, like figure out how to bear that fruit. It's not, it's not working out our salvation to maintain our salvation. It's just working it out to find the fruit that God has for us, to find the path that God has for us, to find how we can love others as we are loved so beautifully by our Father God. We're going to take up communion now. And as we, um, as we drink this blood of Christ and we eat his body, we realize what he has done on the cross for us. And I'm just going to give us a moment just to like... Just think through that and think how, how does that impact you in your work? How does that change the way you are going to perceive and view the world? How that has changed your worldview that, okay, now I am free. I am free because I'm in Christ. And in Christ is freedom beyond my understanding. There's grace beyond my understanding. There's love, 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 love only.